welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. Hey, welcome to Vineyard, everybody. My name is Cody Busick, and I'm the lead pastor here at Vineyard. And I have a whole lot of yes for you to start off this morning. Uh, here, here's the things I want to say yes to is, is yes, you can hop into the chat on the right hand of the screen. That's for you, whether you're on Facebook or church online. Uh, The next thing is, yes, you can get prayer today. Uh, You can put a prayer request in on the church online or you can send us a private message on Facebook. Uh, Yes, you can put in an offering today by going to vkcwest.com or you can also do that on the church online platform right up here. And also too, yes, you can also have ministry time at home. When we get together and when we gather in our building, we have ministry time. We respond to what God may be doing during that time. And so he's doing something right where you are when you're with other people. So so lavish God's love on each other. That's what ministry time is all about. Seeing what he's doing in his people's lives and hearts and, and helping out with that. And so there's those things for you. And then the last thing is this is is if you're new with us at Vineyard, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to us by texting the word LINK, L-I-N-K, to 97000. So LINK to 97000, okay? All right, now we've taken care of those things. We are going to start a new series this week. We're gonna start a new message series, and it's called Grow in Grace. Because uh, if there's anything that we need during this time, it, it's, it's definitely grace. And our key verse for the series is 2 Peter 3, verse 18. And it says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter's writing to his readers during a time that it's, it's uncertain and it, it's really a dark time. And so grace is, is something that is so needed during uncertain and dark times. And, and when we grow in grace, it's kind of like putting on biblical night vision goggles where we can see even though our natural eyes aren't able to function within the environment that they're in. So that's what grace does for us. That's why it's so important. Now, Peter experienced grace just in a huge way in his own life personally. And so let's watch this short video about the grace that Peter experienced with Jesus. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net. And I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord. It's real life. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. 
I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep him out, you know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. Yeah. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No. What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. Wasn't that, that a great video? The skit guys are just so good. I, I enjoy what they do. Well, today, what we're going to look at, first week in our series, is we're actually going to look at grace for me. Okay? So grace for me. Now, did you hear what their definition of grace was in the video? Grace is God's unmerited favor for us. So grace is not dependent upon our performance. It's not dependent upon our scorecard. It's not dependent on how good or bad we've been, and now we get that. But it's just unmerited favor that God puts upon us. And so what God does with grace is he creates an environment in the beginning, in the core, and at the end of grace where we have freedom. We have freedom to be the people that we were made to be. Doesn't that sound good? Where we just get to play. And as Nikki said when she was leading worship about just being God's kids. That's what grace does for us. It brings freedom in our lives to be who we were made to be. So the, the availability of God's grace is abundant. And it's, it's absolutely immeasurable. You cannot measure the amount of grace that God has for us. And so our part as we, as, as we live in it is, is first to go from the idea of transaction to transformation. Because sometimes you're like, okay, if, if I don't do anything for it, if it's not something that I earn or that sort of thing, well, then it's just something that's given to me. So is it just I get it and now I'm done? Well, actually, what grace does is it works itself out into our lives. 
And we actually live in grace. We can actually live in that place. If you remember maybe a place you love to vacation or go to, and you're just like, wow, could I live here? Well, we can live in grace. And that's what we're going to start with today and follow through the next six weeks. Now, we're going to start as we walk through this. And the first thing that we have to remember as we walk through grace and have grace for me is we need, to, we need to recognize the one that delivers grace. If grace is so amazing, who delivers it? Well, it's Jesus Christ who delivers grace to us. And so I want you to read with me in John chapter 1, verse 14 through 18, starting with verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I I love that part right there. Speaking of John the Baptist, he's like a little kid. He's like, this is what I was telling you all about. This is it. Isn't this great? This is him. And so this excitement about Jesus. But what verse 14 shows us where it says the word became flesh, really what it means is he, he became one of us. He took on human flesh and became a human. God himself became a human. One version actually speaks, says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. So you can imagine the the U-Haul pulling up into the neighborhood with Jesus, if you use our imaginations a little bit. And if you think about it, Jesus pulls up. It says that uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one uh, and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus pulls up into your neighborhood, okay, and he's got this huge U-Haul, the largest one you can get. And you're like, wow, what do they have? You know, what's in there? And all of a sudden, it's just full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. You're watching and you're even saying, gosh, I'm going to go help. And if you've ever helped somebody move, you, you grab something and you want to bring it to where they want it. And with Jesus' moving truck, as he moves into the neighborhood, you have this grace, the most, the most amazing thing, the most valuable thing, which is just unmerited favor and acceptance of somebody. You have this and you say to Jesus, Jesus, where do I put this? Where do you want this? And he says, that goes to your house. Take that to your house. I want you to be full of grace in your house. That's what Jesus does. And then in verse 16, it says, Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives us an exhaustible exhaustible supply of grace. You you just can't uh, use it all. That's where where it's saying grace instead of grace or grace in place of grace. It's really saying grace instead of grace. You're like, wait a minute. It's saying, look, if you could exhaust grace. If you could get through my grace where it actually exhausted it, you would just turn the page and there'd be more grace there for you. This this makes me think of when I was was in elementary school, uh, it was a little bit of tight time for my family and and right out front where my dad worked, there there was a truck that that broke down and and, and it it was a lunch meat truck. It was a ham lunch meat truck. And so they couldn't ship it to where they were taking it and, the, and it would go bad. And so they gave all of this ham lunch meat to all of the workers where my dad was working. And so he came home with just, his truck was filled with ham. 
And so I like to say that we had so much ham that we made ham sandwiches, literally, that we would take three slices of ham and we'd toast two and put the ham in the middle, right? And we have this sandwich. But it was just an abundance. You know, we'd say, what are we having? What, well, ham again. You'd open up the freezer and it was just stocked with ham. And that's that, that overabundance is what it's like with God's grace. That you just absolutely cannot exhaust it. So grace instead of grace. And then in verse 17, it says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. So he's recognizing that even the law was really grace. Because Paul writes in the New Testament that, that grace was given to point us to uh, grace, really. Uh, the law was given to point us to grace, uh, to show us that we couldn't do it, to show us that we needed God. As a schoolmaster, to show us that we needed to get to this place where we needed God to do it and make us righteous instead of ourselves. Now, verse 18, it says, Now, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with, his, with the Father, has made him known. So it's within the context of grace that Jesus made God known. As he moved into our neighborhoods, as he moved into this world, you see the clearest picture of God in all of time and history, and it's recorded in scripture. You see God known, that you can see God as he is. Now, God is known and most seen clearly when we remember that salvation is by grace. Isn't that good news, that salvation is absolutely by grace? Ephesians chapter one, Verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So in, in him, who, who's it talking about? In who? What's well, talking about Jesus Christ. So what do we have in him? You may be listening in today, and, and maybe you've, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never received his free gift of life. And, and so this is an important moment to listen in to what those that have done that what they have in him. It's important. So, so what do we have in Jesus? Well, in verse 7 of, of Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we have redemption. So it's a releasing that's affected by a ransom that's paid. That's the, that's the original word that's used there. It's a releasing of something because a ransom has been paid. There's a deliverance that, that has taken place. You know, you may have watched movies or TV shows where, where somebody's taken uh, captive and, and then the ransom is paid or, or the good guys come and set them free. And just the, the relief that comes over somebody when they are now safe again. Well, there's a whole lot of us walking around in life that, you know, we haven't been taken captive by kidnappers or, or terrorists or that sort of thing, but we've been taken captive by sin. And sin rules our life. And so what Jesus does is Jesus re redeems us but how does he do that? That's important. It, he redeems us, verse 7, through his blood. So through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that, that, that we are redeemed. It's his payment. Yes, God's love was the motivation and the action that he did this. But it's important to know that it was by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. His real life was laid down and lifted up so that we might be able to be redeemed. He paid the price so that we might know God, so that our sins would be forgiven. Now, you may be sitting at home wondering, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about my life? And, and maybe you've never thought that maybe the trouble that you're in is because of sin. Uh, and, and maybe it's because you've been living life differently than the way that God laid out. 
And he doesn't put those things upon you and say, well, this is the way that I've made things so that it's belaborous upon you or it's to put you into a mold. But it's actually because this is where the good life is. This is how things work. This is, this is where you'll become the person you're made to be. This is where safety is. This is where joy is. This is where peace is over here where you live your life after me. And so that's what, that's what God says to us. He says, through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. But listen, though, the last part says this, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Think about that. The riches of God's grace. Just, just, the, the, just the absolute abundance of God's grace for us. It says that it's rich for us, that he has for us. And so think, you know, th this grace is just overflowing for you and I. Uh, you, you can't exhaust it. You can't get rid of it. But there's something we need to do, which is, which is to receive it. Because I'll tell you guys, I, I know lots of things. And, but there's, there's some things that I know that, that make no difference in my life. I could tell you all kinds of random facts, as I'm sure you could tell me. But the things we're talking about today, if we receive the grace of Jesus Christ, it makes a difference. We're changed people. There's a new life. The Bible says that we're a new creation when we receive this grace of God. And, and then when we live after it, too, when we, we take and we live after it, because some of you are saying, yeah, I've done that. Um, but, but, but I want my life to be different now. Well, you're going to hear in a second how we live that out in this new life in grace. And so, so personally, we have to realize that, that by grace, uh, uh, reality itself has been altered by God. Uh, you actually now have a di different citizenship. You actually have, have a different life uh, altogether. Reality is different because the grace of God is we receive it in our lives. There's really a new way to be human. Uh, we, we're we're going to live totally different now because of grace. And uh, one way I, I thought about this was uh, many years ago, I, we lived in Colorado. I went, I went backpacking for the first time in Colorado, and, and the elevation was, was higher than maybe I, what I was used to in some places in California. And and so, but my, my friend and I, we, we went backpacking and we left later than we needed to. We had little kids. We were trying to help our wives get ready and, and whatnot for while we were gone for a night. And the good news is he was an uh, emergency room doctor. So I, I was covered. Uh, all I could do for him if he got in trouble was pray for him. But, but he absolutely uh, could, could help me. So we, we started off on this hike and we kind of knew where we were going. We weren't really prepared. Well, right about probably 9 p.m., just really dark out in the middle of nowhere no one there we were walking through these woods or what we could tell was woods and we had these lights that would kind of just show portions of things but we couldn't see everything and as we were going we started to hear an animal scurry here animal scurry here and what we could tell is the animals were really big and so we pulled out every weapon and anything that we could make like a weapon to be able to protect ourselves. And it lasted about an hour as we walked through this section. And, and finally, we didn't hear the animal anymore. But we, we finally found a camp. And it was just exhausting because we weren't prepared. And, and all we could see was, was just what our lights would shine into. And that's kind of like this life. We, we can see certain portions. But what grace does is like what we saw in the morning. In the morning, we were in a place that was totally different than where we thought we were. The scenery, the trees, uh, where we were at in, in the hill, where we, at, we thought we were on the map, that's what grace does. 
Grace comes in and shines this bright light and says, here's where you really are. Here's reality. And we made it back to our families okay, as you can tell. But it, but it was definitely, it was interesting. Here's the new reality in grace. First, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, we see that dependence on God replaces stubborn independence. It says this, but he said to me, Paul's writing here, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Then also too in James chapter four, verse six, we, it, our new reality in grace is this. Confidence is anchored in humility instead of self-sufficiency. But he gives more grace, us more grace, that is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And then Titus 2.11 shows this, that inclusion trumps exclusion. There's so much exclusion in life, but inclusion trumps exclusion in the world of grace. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. All people this grace is offered to. And then the last thing is this, is that simplicity overcomes the chaos of religion. You know, God, God didn't make it hard to find him. He did move into the neighborhood through Jesus. And he made it very simple and clear how we are to know him and be in right relationship with him and other people. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this of that simplicity, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. Isn't grace wonderful? Isn't grace just absolutely amazing? Well, for all of us today, whether you've given your life to Jesus Christ or, or whether you've been following after Jesus for a long time, I, 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 as I thought about this, I thought about something that I've heard. I haven't experienced this or seen it, but I heard years ago that like in the Midwest here and in other places where, where it snows and you get really bad blizzards that, uh, I don't know if they still do it, but that, that farmers, when they would need to make their way from the house to the barn uh, and back to feed the animals and, or get supplies or things in a blizzard, when it was really bad, that they would tie a rope from the house to the barn so that they could get to the barn and then get back to the house. Because if you have a really bad blizzard and you just have a bunch of land and you, and you can't see clearly, it's cold. And even if you come wrapped up and warm, if you get in the, in the elements for too long, you're going to be in trouble. And so what it made me think of is this, is that, you know, we have all kinds of ropes that, that, are, that are put out in life. But there's really only one that leads us to where we need to be. Like if we're out in that storm, I think maybe some of you listening may feel that way today. You're out in that storm and you're looking for a way back home. You're looking for a way. Well, there's the grace rope. There's the grace rope. And, and if you were in that storm and it's cold and you're trying to make your way back to the house, you wouldn't let go for anything. Both hands grabbing onto that and pulling back till you got home. Well, that's what we need to do during this time is we need to grab onto grace. We need to grab onto it with all that we have. It's not about being strong during this time. It's about being dependent upon God. It's not about being brilliant during this time, but it's trusting in the wisdom and knowledge that God has during this time. And so that's what we need to do together is grab onto this grace rope, allow God to work and do what he wants to do in our lives, but that takes surrender. And for some today, 
You've never done that. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I did it. You know, I'm a practitioner too. Uh, when I was 15 years old, somebody told me about Jesus and they gave me this opportunity. And I've been surrendering my life to him ever since. And so I want to give you that same opportunity today. I want to give you the opportunity to have your sins forgiven. I mean, think about that. I mean, to have everything that you have done, uh, that you are, feel convicted of, everything that you've done that you don't feel proud of, everything that you've done in rebellion to other people and to God and those things, to have it wiped away, to have a new day for a new creation. That's what Jesus Christ did upon the cross for you. And he did it by his blood. And he, did, he did it for love for you, that you would become the person you're made to be and, and live a new life with him. So I want to ask you to pray this prayer. There's no magic in the prayer, but it's the intent of your heart receiving what God offers you in, in coming together with what, with what he's given you, which is a brand new life, a do-over. And so let's pray this, this prayer together, if that's you today. Lord, come into my life. I'm in need of a Savior. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and make me new. I believe that you died for my sin and that you rose again from the dead. So now fill me with new life by your Holy Spirit. I now make you the Savior and Lord of my life. So if you pray to give your life to Christ today, if you just prayed that, here's what the Bible says. It says, it says you're a brand new creation. It says that the new has come and the old is gone. And you may say, well, I'm just still in my pajamas. But listen, that's what God promises and said has happened to you. That's happened to you today. So we want to encourage you in that. We want to help you in that. And so let us know in a couple of ways. One is on your screen. There's an opportunity if you're on our church online platform to, to raise your hand and say, I gave my life to Christ today. Uh, you can also go to our website, vkcwest.com, fill out a communication card there. Or even better, you can text from your phone. You can text the word RECEIVE to 97000. RECEIVE to 97000. Okay? So let me pray for you guys, and then we're going to bring Matt and Nikki back up, and, and, and we're going to worship. Lord, thank you so much for our time. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your great love for us, that you accept us and show favor upon us, and, and, and cover us and protect us and, and, and bless us uh, just, just out of your, your, your compassion for us, your love for us. And so today, God, we want to respond to that with our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.